Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good Saturday morning. Welcome into another edition of More Outdoors. Glad to have you with us on this Saturday morning as we head into a big Thanksgiving weekend. Lots of people fishing, lots of people hunting. Got a great program lined up for you. We're going to be taking you out live and direct to some of the duck blinds, finding out how the duck hunters are doing this morning. We're also going to be joined by Devin Burgess in the 8 to 9 o'clock hour for another edition of Talking Guns, All Things Guns. If you've got questions about uh, concealed carry permitting, uh Get some Christmas gift yeah, ideas. Great gift ideas. Yeah, Devin Burgess from Jefferson Gun Outlet is going to be with us. And we also have one of the favorite people you and I like to go visit. I love to go see this guy because that means good things. Tom Stogner from Double D Meat Company up in Bogalusa. Tom, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, Don. How are you guys? Doing wonderful, but I uh, would feel a little better if I got to make a drive up there with a cooler full. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. The weather's not good for that this morning, but it's looking better for the rest of the day. Absolutely. A lot of people are getting out there deer hunting. We're just kind of coming into uh, the rifle season opened up in most of the areas last week. Bow season's been in. And, of course, a lot of people have been taking those feral hogs. That has been growing more and more. So we want to invite listeners, if you've got a question or a comment about processing wild game, uh, Tom Stogner is a guy who can help you with it. Call us at 504-260-6368. Or send us a text message at 870-870. Tom, I guess for people that are sitting around waiting for the raindrops to stop and they may be at the camp, tell us what is the perfect condition for someone to bring you a deer or a hog? How would you like it brought there if you had your druthers? Well, you you talk about the hogs. Uh, We're seeing a lot more uh, hogs that people are bringing in to be processed. We had a guy last week. Uh, back up with 16. Holy uh, moly, that's whoa. a lot of sausage. What was he driving? <laughs> well, he was driving a big pickup truck. There was only one catch. He he had uh, he had not skimmed them yet. Uh-oh. Mm-mm. So, you know, we, we can't – we're a USDA facility, and so we can't deal with things like that. And so we, we you know, we kindly told the guy, look, man, we're going to make all the sausage you want us to make, but – you know, we, we can only take meat and bone. And so he said, well, I've got nine guys at the camp there ready to help me. And uh, so he took him back, had him skinned up, brought him back the next day, and, and all was well. But uh, the biggest thing, when, when we get a deer or a hog or a buffalo or antelope, whatever it might be, uh, cleanliness, make sure it's clean. Make sure it's clean, it's cold, and it's covered. Those, those are the three C's in the, in the meat business. But that, that's how you're going to make sure that you've got the best product on the back end. I love to see uh, hear that people are utilizing hogs and not just tossing them because, really, it is a great meat, and some people are shy away from it. But how much meat? I, I've only shot a few pigs. What do you think the yield is on a pig versus a deer? I mean, how much sausage does a, does a pig make you or, you know, just cut pork if you're going to bring in a hog or two? Well, the general rule of thumb is if, if you kill a wild hog that weighs 100 pounds on the hoof, you're going to end up with about 65 pounds of meat and bone. That's impressive. Now, if if you're doing hams, which we do, uh, a lot of those hogs that that guy brought, you know, we we make hams, we'll do bacon, cut pork chops, and so if if you're not removing all the bones, then you get a much better yield. 
but if you've got 65 pounds of meat and bone, if you do the quick math, it's roughly another 65%. So you're ending up with about 45 pounds of boneless meat. That's a lot of meat for one pig. It is. It is. It goes a long way. People don't realize. It's, it happens almost every time a new customer in particular brings us an order, whether it be deer meat or hog or whatever it might be. Uh, they're always shocked at the amount of product they get back. I know I was. <laughs> Tom, has it become common for people to bring you both a hog and a deer and say, mix them together and make me some sausage? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it happens, if not every day, certainly several times a week. Is there anything else you have to add, or do you get everything you need from those two? Well, here's the thing about a wild hog. Typically, it's a lot leaner than the commercially raised hogs. Uh, and so what we generally tell people is that, we're going to call you if we think we need to add more fat to it. Uh, that's that's one of the keys about making particularly smoked sausage. Uh, several people like it lean, but to, but to make the best product, you've got to have a certain level of fat in it. And the wild hogs sometimes just don't have that. They just you know they're not fed corn and they're not bred that way, and so they tend to be a lot leaner, uh, which is good. But we we can amend that sometimes with a little more fat to make that sausage a little bit better than it than it would be. You have a, a wide variety of sausage. I Believe it or not, I still have some sausage from last season. We had so much deer last year, but I've really enjoyed that your mild smoke sausage. You're constantly evolving your recipes and your flavors, and I know that's something that you guys continue to work on. What's the most unique, would you say, flavor? I know you got the, you know, the jalapeno and cheese and the, and the hot, spicy and the Italian, but what's the most unique sausage flavor you think y'all have come up with? Well, we do a pineapple brown sugar, too, which is really caught on. A lot of people have tried that and like it because the kids tend to like it and the wives tend to like it. And it's good in things like baked beans, and it's really good for breakfast. But we had a guy the other day uh, bring us a, a batch of meat, and he also threw in a bottle of cane syrup. Hmm. And so we, we put a bottle of cane syrup in with his regular sausage, and, boy, it was I got to tell you, it was fantastic. That we, sounds we may good. be in the cane syrup business so shortly. <laughs> Put that on a couple of cathead biscuits and butter, and we're in business, my friend. We're hey, that <laughs> that could be a Louisiana staple right there. I mean, cane syrup definitely popular around here, but you could seriously market that to other areas too. Yeah, that 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 that's a, that would be good breakfast, especially this morning. How was your uh, how was your bow season this year compared to previous years? Did you see a lot of deer come in? We did. It, it, we're we're about on average, I would say, over the last six to eight years. Uh, I think maybe last time we talked, I had made the comment that it looked like the the peak in terms of the number of animals that were harvested uh, was pre-Katrina. And you know, of course, Katrina changed the world for a lot of people, and and the hunters, it was you know, they were they were affected as well. But since then, you know, we've seen a rise in numbers, and it's leveled off, and it's been good and steady. And I would think this year may be ticking upwards. You know, everything always runs in trends. And uh, based on what we're seeing, the numbers coming in and, and just what we see outstanding in fields and comments from people, and it seems like it's going to be a really good year this year. Tom, I don't think any conversation about processing deer has, can leave out uh, the, the CWD, chronic wasting disease. Are you finding that your hunters are becoming more familiar with it? We have tried and tried and, and get the word out as much as possible about bringing deer and what condition they need to be in to, when, if you cross state lines. What are you hearing from the hunters that are bringing the, the, the deer to you? That was a really big concern uh, a year and a half ago when wildlife and fisheries were proposing that. And it's nothing new 
particularly in the southeast. I mean, Louisiana adopted it last year, but then some of the neighbor, neighboring states had already had that policy. Uh, but, but essentially what it will not let you do is bring in any spinal cord or brain tissue across state lines. Uh, there's a protein that, that's found in, in the nervous system and the spinal system that causes CWD. And so they, they, what they want you to do is leave it where you found it. Uh, now, what they will allow you to do is bring front shoulders and hind quarters and back straps and tenderloins and uh, plenty of good meat that you can still bring across state lines so long as it doesn't contain any of that backbone material. Uh, but people seem not to have a problem with it. I mean, we're, we're getting deer every week from, uh, you know, Mississippi and Alabama, and we had a really, really nice deer guy brought in from Missouri uh, last week, uh, southern Illinois. I mean, we're getting them from all over, so it doesn't seem like it's bothering hunters too much. Very good. Tom, well, we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be back and pick up the conversation. We're talking with Tom Stogner, Double D Meat Company in Bogalusa. If you've got a deer or a hog, you want it cut, wrapped, sausage made, we'll talk to you a little bit more about what you need to do to get it up there. We'll be right back. You're listening to More Outdoors. Don Dubuque, Martha Spencer on a Saturday morning. Welcome aboard. We're talking with Tom, Tom Stogner of Double D. I've uh, been in business since back in the late 60s up there in Bogalusa processing wild game for years and years. Do a great job of it. Whether you want it cut and wrapped or if you want sausage made, uh, these are the guys that can handle it for you. Tom, whenever deer hunters gather around and they the camp and they start talking about preparing venison, it always comes up about aging. Some people don't believe in it. Others do say it makes it a whole lot tender. What is your theory or your perspective on aging venison? It usually is very, very beneficial uh, so long as when that animal was harvested, uh, you know, it was cleaned fairly quickly, it was kept cold fairly quickly. And uh, the, the big drawback to aging is the longer you let it sit, the, the more you have, the, the more opportunity, I guess, you give some of those harmful bacteria to grow out and to spoil the meat. Uh, that's why I made the comment, those three C's, keep it clean, keep it cold, keep it covered. And if you do that, letting that meat age for a week or so uh, tends to break down some of those muscle fibers, and it does make a better product, in my opinion. You can do it hanging in the cooler, or you can do it in your ice chest covered in ice. What is the limit? Um, is there? Is there? I mean, obviously, you don't want to leave it in there for months, but what's the ideal hanging time? Because I've heard debates on, you know, if you leave it hanging over two weeks, it's not going to be any good. If it's a month old, is that too long? What's the, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, tip, typically if you let it hang a month, it's going to get up and walk out on its own. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, a few days is fine. Certainly 24 hours at a minimum. Uh, and if you've got a way to keep that, that meat really cold, and by cold I mean less than 40 degrees. Anywhere between 30 and 35 degrees is, is best. Uh, you don't want to freeze it, but you want to keep it really cold. Three or four days in ice chest is fine as well. Uh, some people have an objection sometimes to that, that bloody gamey flavor, uh, and, and so they like to soak it in ice water and help draw some of that out, and that, that makes a better product as well. But three four days, maybe a week, is certainly fine. And, Tom, a lot of hunters uh, that hunt late evenings, uh, they might not be able to track their deer, and they don't find it till the next day. Um, what is a good rule of thumb on whether game is spoiled or is it good? And, and can you guys help them make that decision? If it's questionable, what, we, what do you look for? What are the signs? Yeah, obviously your nose is going to tell you a lot uh, when, when you get there, and your eyes are going to tell you a lot because, you know, in a color, color 
off color is very obvious and you know an off odor is very obvious uh, if you're bow hunting the first week of october and you're bumping 90 degrees still uh, you and you let that animal lay for overnight and the next day man you're really rolling the dice uh if, if you're in the middle of december beginning of january and it's 30 degrees outside and, and you have to retrieve one the next day you're in much better shape um when in doubt, throw it out. It, it's just not worth it. There's just too many things that can go sideways and create a lot of health issues for you and your family. Um, but but really, it's sight, it's smell. Uh, it's going to be pretty obvious if meat has gone bad. Tom, hunters uh, do a lot of traveling these days, and, and sometimes they, the exotics are hunted in enclosures right here in the state of Louisiana. Should they handle exotic game any different? And I'm talking about, you know, the Sitka, Axis deer, those type of things. Treat it the same way. Uh, they're very, very similar in physiology and chemistry. I mean, the, the, those animals are very, very similar. Now, sometimes when you get into the elk, uh, some of those bigger animals, you, you just talked about aging. Sometimes that can help a lot with, with the bigger animals, the elk and the, and the larger uh, animals in that deer family. Have you ever gotten, I, I just learned about Sika deer from Maryland, the Delmarva Peninsula. There, there's an area up there that has these smaller Sika deer that were imported, you know, hundreds of years ago that really are thriving up there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen any of there? I do. I don't know that anybody has brought any of those in. Um, I'm not sure if they have a relative. Now, this is, you know, you're talking about way up in the northeast, but we had a customer that brought a deer in from Mexico that I thought he yeah. said was a Sitka I, deer. I think, I think that's the same because they're smaller. Right. It, 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 man, it was a beautiful deer to see a picture of it, but when you put it up next to one of our whitetails, it seemed very, very small. Uh, he, he drove a long way to Mexico to, to take that animal. He brought it in and we made sausage out of that. It was good. It was really, really good, actually. Tom, do you all do any shipping? If, if someone uh, would like to treat someone to some venison sausage that they've had processed at your place? We can. We've got a guy that, that handles our shipping for us here locally in Bogalusa. He does a really good job. Uh, we get customers that call in wanting our regular product fairly often. And um, we're, we're in the meat business. He's in the shipping business. And if anybody wants to do that, call me, send us an email. Um, and we'll be glad to get you in touch with him. Had a customer this week who, whose son was coming in from Philadelphia and uh, wanted to know how to get deer sausage back to Philadelphia. So we're going to work on that with him and figure out how to make that happen. Well, i, I got to tell you, you know, people sometimes don't think of it, but what an ideal Christmas gift that is for someone because, you know, as you know, venison, unless it's farm-raised, and that's few and far between, uh, wild game processed is is a true treasure, and it's something that people give not just a monetary value, but it's something uh, uh, that they put their time and their effort in and is really thoughtful. So I'm sure a lot of people get that done for, for some Christmas gifts. Yeah, not a bad idea at all. Not a bad idea. I need to make a trip over there, deer or not, because I'm out of bacon, and I still I still give you guys the title of the best bacon I've ever had. Well, we'll take it. We'll take it. I, I take no credit for that all the time. I tell everybody I don't take any credit for any of this. This was my grandfather's idea. We're just we're just holding the line. Uh, well, still I'll be uh, that, I'll be you. on the tree again. Um, I'm I'm blaming my uh, lack of deer that I've been bow hunting more, but uh, I'm gonna bring you a deer this year, whether it's with a rifle or a bow. It's gonna happen. Well, if Don would ever let you off to go hunt, maybe you'd have to get her out of the boat. She's no. fishing. When she, she can't do both. You know, you can't kill a deer in the Gulf of Mexico. Too many I'm told. hobbies, That's too little time. Well, That's I need to fact. get some of those uh, pork skin chips. 
I've been out yeah. of those for way too long. Tell us about uh, that product. You know, that is one of the finest products because it's so convenient. When you want warm pork skins, you can season them to your own taste. Uh, tell us about those little little morsels. Who would have ever thought that that would be an item like it's turned out to be? But just about everybody that walks in the door uh, wants to take home a bag of them. But they're a, it's a dried pork skin, uh, and when you buy them, I mean, they're as hard as a rock, and there's no way you would eat them. But if you put them in a brown bag, throw them in the microwave for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, drop them in a little bit of hot oil, you know, if you're frying fish at the camp or you, you've got the oil going, drop them just for a few seconds. And, boy, they puff up, get real light, real crispy, throw your favorite seasoning on them, and they are so simple, so easy, and so good. And they pack well, too. <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh, you can take them anywhere. Yeah. You know, I just got an idea. Have you ever talked to anyone who's put them in an air fryer? I bet they'd come out great in one of those air fryers. I've got I have it, but there's no doubt they would. Well, I'm going to do some field testing, <laughs> so expect to see me sometime this week up there. <laughs> well, we've got plenty of them. We keep a good supply. Tell us about your location, uh, directions, and also your hours of operation, because that's important to deer hunters. You know, they're, they're, deer don't have them on a time schedule. And that's people right. get them we've... late, and they get them early, and they get them on holidays. Yeah, we're up in South Washington Parish. We're we're just across the St. Tammy Parish line south of Bogalusa. Uh, we're right on Highway 21, which is from New Orleans. It's about an hour drive north. You come from Baton Rouge, you're about an hour and a half, two hours. Or for those of you, our friends on the Gulf Coast, it's about an hour away. So it's not really far at all. Uh, we're open Monday to Friday. We get here at six o'clock in the morning, and we keep our dock open till uh, after three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's okay to leave your deer on ice. Just make sure if you're going to age it or you won't be able to bring it there on the weekend, just keep it cold. Absolutely. Clean, cold, and covered. Tom, thanks for sharing some tips and information about processing deer. I think that goes a long way to help hunters more. Uh, certainly appreciate the, the, the value of their effort to go out there and bag a deer. And then, hey, deer hunting is not cheap. It's expensive, and it's oh, worth to take well, good care of your meat. And one more thing. Y'all only put your deer in your sausage and product. So what you kill is what you get. There's not a week that goes by that we don't answer that question, but that's <laughs> correct. I mean, I, for all the reasons that you just said, Don, uh, people want to know that their their meat's being taken care of. And uh, so we do. And when customers back up, if anybody's ever got a question about that, we're more than happy to walk them through the process. We show them every step of the way. Uh, but it gets your name on it when you drop it off, and it's you, your name stays with that meat until the time you pick it up. And if anybody wants to actually see the facility, go to youtube.com slash TV and pull up the edition where Don and I got the full tour and sausage making. You can see all the behind the scenes. And Martha did a reenactment of the <laughs> I Love Lucy scene with the sausage yeah. coming down the conveyor belt. Couldn't keep up with it, could you? <laughs> well, Martha, that's a good fallback plan. If Don ever gets enough of you, there's always room at our table for Martha. Excellent. There you go. Tom, thanks so much for being with us, and thanks for all you do for the sportsmen. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. You Happy too. Thanksgiving. Same to you. All righty, that is Tom Stogner of Double D. All right, we come back after this. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Representative Garrett Graves. Congressman Graves has a bill he would like you to support called the Dissent Act. And I think me and Martha have a little bit of dissent about this act. No, not as much as you think. I'm still open to hearing more about Good. it. Good, I'm glad to hear that. We'll be right back to discuss it in detail right after this. 
And welcome back in. Uh, hopefully we're going to make contact with uh, Congressman Garrett Graves this hour and talk about uh, a, a, a bill that he has pending. He has co-authored, along with Jared Huffman of California, the Descend Act of 2019. And what this would do is require both commercial and recreational fishermen to possess a descending device that is rigged and ready for use or venting tool uh, when they're fishing for reef fish in the Gulf of Mexico federal waters. Uh, the boating and fishing community, supposedly, from what I hear, has long advocated for the use of these devices, which reduces the mortality rate. What happens is when a snapper is brought up too quickly from any depth from 30 feet or deeper, uh, the gases in its uh, swim bladder expand and pushes the stomach out and renders the fish unable to swim, and uh, sharks can catch them and, and tear them up, and and that's the end of that. And they're considered waste, and that factor goes into keeping the limits and the regulations small. So this act will, if passed, will increase the survivor rate of the red snapper, which in essence will allow the take to be increased. But if we talk to uh, Congressman Graves, we'll get him to elaborate more exactly on what the bill does and talk more about the device. But right now, let's go live and direct to the duck blind of Blake Swallow, full strap and stringer, opening day up in the east zone, and we're going to get his take. Uh, Blake, how are you doing this morning? I think he just got his call dropped. Did we lose Blake? Yeah, we lost him. Oh, we had. I bet you a duck came in and he had to pull a gun, pull the trigger. Probably. Well, Blake Swallow uh, hunts up there in the Catahoula area, and this is opening day for them. I would think that that weather's pretty much passed through. That front has passed through. Blake, are you there? Uh, he's in the process of, of getting, getting him. him on the yeah, line. we're getting yeah, him. Yeah, so I just took a peek at the radar, and it looks like that uh, it's still on the eastern side of the southeast Louisiana area. Anywhere on the north shore is pretty much clear. There is still some rain to get through the Delacro, Slidell area. So be patient. I'd say in the next hour or two, definitely within the limits of your hunting time, that you will be clear. But hopefully, folks have good rain gear on because it does look like there's a pretty good batch of rain. Right over the Violet and uh, Delacroix area right now. So. so is it already passed through that Catahoula Lake area? No, not yet. Okay. So there's still some good rain on the south shore. Down towards Buras, they're about to get that line, so they're going to get some heavier rain briefly and probably some winds kicking up, and then there's a period of a break. So, yeah, it's kind of nasty out there this morning. Um, I don't know the severity of the winds out there, but it does look like there's some embedded areas of heavy rain, so hopefully no lightning within that. But stick it out. I think the birds will probably move around with them. All right. Uh, well, I think we have Blake on now, joining us from uh, his duck blind. Hey, Blake, how's it going? Morning, Don. How are y'all? Good morning. Good, good. Uh, we were wondering about the front situation. Had a front moving through Louisiana, Mississippi this morning. Is it past you or on you or yet to approach you? Uh, it started on us at about 4 a.m. this morning, so it's uh, it's right on top of us now. I kind of see the blue line to the north. It'll pass through the next hour or so. So are you in one of those covered blinds? Uh, no, actually the rain left us about 3 a.m., so we hadn't gotten rained on. But uh, this morning's been special. I, that's all I can say. It's been we already had a lot of a lot of ducks, and this morning uh, we got another push. So it's been I have groups that are already done so far. Now mostly with teal and and gray ducks, but uh, it's been a very good morning. How has the season been overall compared to last year? Well, today is our first day. Today's our oh, opener, that's right. And, I'm I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it stays like it is right now for as long as it is. Like today has been uh, all that we expected it to be. 
Blake, lately the Internet has been lit up with controversy and commentary, people voicing their opinion about the way seasons are set in Louisiana. Uh, a lot of people don't like the three zones. Some want two, some want no zones. They want three splits instead of two splits. How do you think this is working out? And, and unfortunately, when we make a decision in the state, it, it has to stick for five years. So are you happy with the way the seasons are set with the, the, the late opening of the East Zone and the other two zones opening before you? Um, Don, personally, just in my opinion, I'd like to see us all open at one time. And the reason being for that, have it all open at one time, the statute, the, the Corps, I mean, the Department of Interior gives us the, the ability to have actually three splits if we want to have that. If we open everything at one time, put more splits in between the two, because what I think is happening right now is, uh, like the coastal zone opens up, they shoot those birds for a day or two, those birds just jump somewhere where nobody shoots them. And then a lot of times we have a lot of ducks in the northern part of the state, uh, especially Catahoula Lake in our area, in the farms, and and the guys down south of us are shooting ducks two weeks before we are. So, in my opinion, I'd like to see us open it north to south. Maybe have two zones uh, at the most, but I'd like to see the whole state open at one time. Maybe put more distance between the splits so the guys that want to hunt in the end of January can still hunt, but the fellows that want to hunt in the beginning of November can, can make it happen that, that, that way, too. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think we should only – I don't. I wouldn't even like the two zones. I think the whole state should open up, and we could have three different splits because the more time in between those splits, that gives you time for birds to arrive, not feel pressure, rest up, and then it's like three opening days almost. So I'm all for that. I remember when they, they talked about this, the reason for it was was to give hunters more days. In other words, if you had access to hunting more than one zone, you, you could really hunt more than the, the 60 days. You know, you have it available to you. But I think they found out that there's something like less than 20% of the people actually hunt out of their, the one zone they're in. So I think it's counterproductive. I, I do, too. And a lot of my customers, actually a lot of people are here today are from, are from down south around the whole deal, New Orleans, Slidell, Mandeville area have a large group that's here, about 25 people. And they're all saying the same thing. They've made a couple decent hunts in the coastal zone, and then the birds left them. So I just and, – and another thing, too, we open our south zone before we open the north zone, and ducks <laughs> migrate north to south. I mean, they come through here and load up by the thousands, and they're shooting them south of us, and we're just looking at them. And it's like you said, I, I think if we just all opened at one time, put more time between the splits, release some of the pressure – I think it would be good for everybody, and quantity is one thing, but I bet folks would rather have 40 or 50 days of quality than 70 or 80 days of, uh, uh, of, of just pretty good. There's nothing more frustrating than when you're surrounded by birds, but none of them cooperate. I mean, I can't tell you how many hunts I've sat and just watched birds just out of range, or they flare, and they're just too smart, and they think that you're right with a little bit more relaxation. They can't be that smart. They're ducks. They If they get a little break more, maybe they'll cooperate better. I think productivity is better than longevity sure and, and even up north where or different places i don't want to say up north but different places where land is manipulated for ducks and planted for ducks and whether it be a crp more salt area pressure is the uh pressure is just something that a that waterfowl can't handle and they just can't handle it i don't care how much corn you have on the ground how much seed you have if you beat it up day after day after day they're going to leave it whereas you can have a mediocre spot if you give them some time to, to regroup and get back in. You can you can make some quality hunts. 
Blake, I think you're going to see that that trend continuing, drawing uh, duck hunters from south up there to the mid-range in northern parts of the state, uh, what you see. And uh, we've seen it happen uh, with deer because of, uh, you know, land loss, habitat loss, and, you know, the privatization of land. People just don't have anywhere to go, so they head north, and I think you're going to see a trend in that. Hopefully you'll continue to have good seasons. Well, we, um, we, we've been blessed, you know, if, so far this year, our habitat is, is spot on. We have water where we need it. We don't have too much anywhere that, that that's going to hinder us. And uh, we're always happy to have our folks from South Louisiana come hunting with us because uh, we get to shoot ducks in the morning, maybe catch a few fish, and uh, watch, watch the Tigers win another game. <laughs> All right, Blake, uh, thanks for checking in with us. We'll check in throughout the season. Hopefully we can get up there and make a hunt with you. We'd love to have you guys. Y'all just give us a call, and, and we'll make it happen. Y'all have a blessed day. Thank you, Blake, and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. All righty, we'll take a quick time out. We come back. Uh, we'll see if we got Mike Smith. Uh, we're going to be hunting with him next uh, week, and we'll find out how he's doing down there in Delacro right after this pause. You listen to more outdoors, WWL 105.3 FM HD2. And from Catahoula Lake, we take you to Delacro and talk to Mike Smith and find out what's happening over there. Hey, Mike, how's it going this morning? It's going pretty good. Uh, we got rained on a little while ago. We got uh, eight or nine. It's, you know, it's not, of course, it's not as fast as opening day, but it, it's slow and steady. You know, they, they missed a few. I have some guys from California, first time they've been duck hunting, and they've been knocking them out the air. Good <laughs> job. What are, you, what are you seeing mostly? Teal. Uh, Let's see, we got seven teal, a model duck, and a scalp. But uh, we had some grays and widgeon come in earlier, but uh, they uh, boom, 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 you know? (laughs) (laughs) How's the water level down there? Uh, Normal. Uh, Maybe slightly above normal. Uh, But I think that wind's supposed to shift to the northwest later on when the front comes through and might drop the water level a little bit, but we always have places to hunt no matter what the water level is, so I'm not worried about that. Did you get wet headed out? or is was, a... You read my no. mind these morning, Don. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it was a little shot. Going out, it wasn't raining at all. It started raining, uh, I guess, around 6.30, but it stopped right now. Uh, tell you what, that Sitka gear really works. <laughs> oh, Sitka gear? Yeah, the uh, Sitka uh, clothing line. You know, I heard a rumor, um, so a lot of folks like us have, uh, you know, a pro deal with them, but they don't give a deal on their waiters. No, I did, I did hear a rumor that they will be possibly next year, so if any, you oh, know. That's good. But yeah, yeah you know, everyone I've talked to that wears the Sitka gear, I was talking to some guys down at Ryan Lambert's camp that were on the boat with us. It's pricey, but it's made to be long-term. It's it's gear that's yeah. not meant to be replaced year after year. They do have a really good uh, repair uh contract as well so um right. i guess i guess what most people think is that it's worth the money oh yeah definitely i can't wait to get some waiters because for one reason it has a zipper yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen that before uh, i oh, gotta yeah. tell you though it seems like every uh wet weather jacket or gear i get that that water finds a way to get in there some kind of oh, way on yeah. a real hard hard rain yeah exactly well plus with this uh, floating barge blind i got a that flip top uh waterproof roof uh that helps a lot too. Oh know, yeah. So, so uh, but it's slow and steady. Uh, we see a few flocks every now and then. A lot of them catch us by surprise. We don't see them till the last minute because. But but overall, it's pretty good. 
you know, nothing to complain about. Who's your uh, sidekick? My sidekick? You got a dog? Oh, no, I'm the dog. You're the dog. Got it. Yeah. Mike's been a dog ever since I've hunted with him. <laughs> but now Mike's brother has a lot of dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a professional dog trainer. You'd think I'd have the best I was just going to say, you'd think you'd have one. I, I get the scrap. I get the scrap. One time he gave me a dog that used to be a drug-sniffing dog, and I think the dog got a hold of something. And, and he wasn't right ever oh, since. Wait, 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 wait. Get ready, guys. Get, get him. Ready. No, no, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Keep your hands down, keep your hands down. Shh, Martha, don't be, don't make any noise. Get ready. That's the old gray duck call. Get up, get up, get up. I know what's going on. They're circling and they're looking and they're looking. And they want to shoot so bad. One of two things is going to happen. They're going to decoy and you're going to shoot, or they're going to say, we're out of here. I hate when it comes from that high and circle the top of it. They're gone. They're gone. Dang. You can't move your gun barrel when it over your head. How like high that. did they, uh, how high were they? They were about 100 yards and they just dropped straight Just down. out of range. Yep. But um, these guys, they still learn. You know, I got to tell them, don't move the gun barrel. Don't look at them when they're coming. But uh, they, they were four graves that were coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed oh, well. that you were using the, the little uh, light quack of, of the gray duck call. It sounded like a hay dells. I have the same call, but then exactly. you also used the call back. But what was that other little peeping you were doing? I was doing peeping? Oh, maybe <laughs> I was breathing hard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a whistle, maybe. Did you use a oh, whistle? No. no, I didn't blow a whistle. That, that was me out of breath, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was whispering to the guys that, you know, keep their head down, maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah. over the radio it sounded different. Yeah. But, um, Mike, what but do you I, suggest for people uh, as far as the, the load to bring when they're hunting ducks out there by you? This time of the year I use threes and fours. Later on in the season I like to use number twos. But uh, I, I use an open bore. I'm shooting a skeet choke right now. I would shoot a, a, a pure cylinder choke, but uh, I can't find my darn choke tube box. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a particular brand you like? I actually have to go get some ammo for Monday, so I'm taking notes right now. Um, I shoot a 12 gauge. Okay, don't. I'd stay away from. Uh, y'all don't have Winchester uh, advertising. I mean, uh, sponsoring y'all, huh? No. <laughs> I'd stay away from the Winchester expert. I cut open one of their shells one time, and they well, that's why I was having trouble last week. I, that's I've what also, I was I'm off of Winchester. I won't buy a box of Winchester. All right. Shells. I don't use them. That's what I was shooting last week, yeah. and I had a heck of a time. Yeah, but those uh, Rios are pretty good. Those blue Rios are, uh, you, you want to get expensive, uh, Federal Black Cloud, or those Remington uh, green shells, the old, you know, standby. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um... Yeah, just about anything except those darn experts. You know, Mike, I'm going to take you down memory lane here. Martha and I were up in uh, South Dakota last weekend hunting pheasants, and I was uh-huh. using good old lead, number six hmm. prairie storm. Man, Ooh. I was burning them pheasants. I mean, I was saying, oh, for the only for the return to the lead on the ducks, huh? Boy, oh, those were the I'm days. I think that prairie storm is the lead equivalent of black cloud. 
I think. I'm not sure. I think it has that. Oh, the rain's coming down now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. You can probably hear it. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice little shot. Well, hey, at least it's not 40 degrees and raining. It's at least oh, a little mild. Oh, my God. Yeah, that front's coming through tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm taking uh, three of my grandkids and my middle daughter. So. Oh, it'll be great. Uh, I oh, think yeah. it'll be a great yeah. morning. Yeah, heck yeah. They, I, I got my head the heat is ready in case they cold, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my, my youngest little grandson, I've, I've been taking the oldest and the uh, oldest girl for about six years now, but the uh, youngest grandson came for youth weekend and never been hunting before. He's telling, <laughs> little character's been reading too many books. He goes, if you want to shoot a duck that falls right in the blind, you got to shoot him on an angle because by the time the shot gets there, the duck will fall right in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little character. <laughs> well, look, we're looking forward to our trip with you this coming week. Uh, hopefully the birds will participate because we will. Oh, yeah. I got a spot already ready. So. Can't wait. And yep. I'll make sure to stay away from the Winchester X. I'm glad you said that because that's usually what I end up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Egg-shaped pellets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. We'll see you next week, my friend. Okay, thanks again. And, Good luck uh, to you. Yeah, you all uh, y'all be careful. Listen, if you would, give out your information, too, in case somebody wants to check your dates uh, for the second split. Okay, 504-228-4506, website, laduckhunts.com. Easy enough, laduckhunts.com. Thanks, Mike. That's it. I'll see you all uh, Tuesday. Get some birds for those guys. That's it. All righty. All right, there he goes for four-time state duck calling champion, Mike Smith. Brother's a professional dog trainer. Doesn't hunt with a dog. You know, dogs are a lot of work. Dogs are a lot of fun. They can save you birds, too. They're not for everybody, Yes, indeed. All right, uh, we got some text messages coming in. Look who's texting us, Martha. Ray Ray from Lacombe. Good morning, Ray Ray. One of our best listeners. He said the last year he lived in Fairbanks, him and his buddy, Hunted the first five days of duck season, and between the two of us, they had 100 ducks. The limit was 10, any kind. Never used a decoy. Jump shoot, shooting, excuse me, and floating down creeks. Sounds like you're a bit of a renegade there. <clears throat> no. Well, I don't know. It was, it was, I'm sure it was legal. All right. Instead of fish floating off dead on the surface, descending devices allow fish to sink dead to the bottom or get eaten along the way. <laughs> no denying that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's. I think he uh, told us his opinion of it. All right. Then we have. When does the five year uh, that season end? Anyone know? Uh, what that question is talking about is uh, new regulations have changed in setting duck seasons. When you set a season, as far as your splits, your dates, and the regulations, um, you have to live with those for five years at a time. I believe we're in the third or fourth year of this five-year period, so it'll be another couple of years before we can. I'll, I'll double-check that in the meantime, but I'm pretty sure we're about over halfway there, and then we get the option to maybe change it, and it's always been a big debate. Some people like one season for the whole state. Some people like three splits. Some like two. Uh, you've got a framework that the feds give you that you can make these selections in. And there's always the old argument, people down south, they don't like to hunt late because we have low tides. You can't get to your duck blinds. Uh, people in north Louisiana say we don't really get birds until the latter part of the season. Uh, it really depends. There's so many little variations on different areas that it's, it's hard to set seasons for the entire state. 
right. Uh, well, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get to talk to Congressman Garrett Graves. Uh, something must have come up in Washington. He was not able to get a hold of us. But uh, anyway, plenty of other things to talk about. Yeah. What is your think? Your theory, your perception or take on these uh, descending devices? You fish offshore all the time. Well, their heart is in the right place, certainly. Um, I have more questions. I'm disappointed that Senator Graves is not on the line because. We do try and vent snapper right now. And and this is he's talking about all reef fish and that mm-hmm. includes for us that would be grouper, amberjack and red snapper. Those are our primary fish that we get from the reefs. Now, I don't know anybody that releases grouper because if they're in season, which is most of the time, they're just not in the numbers that red snapper are, so mm-hmm. 9 times out of 10 those will not be going anywhere but the ice box. Amberjack we do catch out of season. Amberjack um they revive pretty easily. Uh, they're a large fish, so you can you can vent them pretty easily. Snapper, the thing that's tricky with snapper, and this is going to be a challenge, especially for multi boat uh, or multi multi angler boats. If you're using a double hook, which a lot of people do, they'll do a two hook drop because you get a lot of fish taken away from you. There's a really high number of sharks. So the problem I think that's tricky about this is. It isn't so much venting them or getting them back down. It's how long they're out of the water for. And if you're not experienced with getting them off the hook as fast as possible, even if you vent them, a lot of times they're kind of too wore out. They've been out of the water too long, especially with the bigger fish. Now, another thing I was reading about the proposal is that their statistics stated that 100% of fish taken over 180 feet will not survive if they are not vented or taken it takes a long time to reel a fish up from more than 180 feet, especially where a lot of people fish 300 feet of water, hand crank. I don't know how much people are going to get on board with putting them back and making the effort to put them back down and bring them back up, especially with the amount of numbers I've seen with red snapper. I've seen five snapper at a time come up on a chicken rig set up for deep dropping. There's so many of them in what I see. This is just what I see that I think it's going to be hard to be enforced. Am I for it? Absolutely. Because whatever we can do that will get us regulations higher to prove that we can catch this many fish and still have a sustainable resource, then so be it. But, you know, it, it needs to be easy. It needs to be quick and affordable because we already are spending so much money on equipment. Uh, well, you know, I can see a problem if you've got this descending device and you've only got one. And you got five snapper laying on the deck, all waiting their turn right. to get hooked and released. The time spent on the deck is is certainly going to outweigh and I generally the benefits see more than of bringing it down. One fish come up at a time because they're so plentiful. From right. What I've seen. So well, we also tricky. this in, this would incorporate commercial fishermen, and yeah. I don't see them don't doing see it. Them they're doing all it. about the money in in time, is money to them, and I don't see commercials participating in it. But if the federal government says you get these devices and you put them on oh, board, you make it a law, and we're going to give you more fish, you know, then, you know. Perception is reality. Yeah. And, you know, whether they can prove numbers or not, if they think that they can and it's convincing enough, people will be for it. But what we have to remember is that Senator Graves is trying to help the commercial and recreational angler. He is trying to increase our numbers. And I do think he generally believes mm-hmm. we have a, a healthy reef fish stock. Well, he's an offshore fisherman. He's been out there. He's seen it. A lot of these guys in Washington, like John Kennedy told him in a meeting, you don't know a red snapper from a red-nosed reindeer right. was his exact words, exactly. and they're trying to make the regulations for it. But, you know, another thing is a lot of people do not properly vent those no, fish. they don't. And because they see the stomach, they think that's the swim bladder, but it's actually the fish's stomach protruding from the mouth. First thing they do is they take the venting tool or a sharp object, a knife, and pop it and then throw the fish over. 
does nothing. The swim bladder is still expanded. The fish can't swim. you got to go behind the pectoral fin all the way. And you can actually hear and see the gas leaking out and coming out of the fish, and he's got a much better chance to survive. But even at that, a lot of them are going to be lost to sharks and other Well, that's predators. the thing. The Unfortunately, the shark population has exploded, too, and there's been situations several times where we can't even reel up the fish fast enough. Even when their swim bladder expands and they have no fight left in them, you're getting them up as fast as possible. If you're putting them back down and they're wore out, they are, they are fish bait. They're shark bait. So I'm not sure. I'm curious. Yep. Well, unfortunately, uh, maybe also, we'll try to reschedule him another time. Well, the article also stated that it, uh, it said a descending device or a ventilator. A venting tool. Yeah, so well, I need the venting to tool have... is already required. Right. So, so there's a little bit of confusion right. there. Oh, well. We'll have to send an email, I guess. Well, I guess to, to, to do a double duty on it, you, you vent the fish with the tool, and then you hook it to the descending device and send it on down and hope a shark's not down there waiting exactly. for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to be talking guns coming up in just a few minutes, and we want to invite you to stay with us and call if you've got any questions or comments on the program. 260-6368, area code is 504. And we still have that text message board for you at 870-870. We covered a lot of ground today. We talked about uh, pheasants and prairie dogs and red snapper and descent devices and processing venison and how to cook pork skins. It's been a busy morning. I'm Thanksgiving feast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to let uh, Reed Alleman sing us out to the top of the hour. When we come back, uh, Devin Burgess joins us. We're talking guns on More Outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD 2. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.